Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Lil. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into how the Mavericks have started off Summer League here with a one-and-one start. Jaden Hardy leading the Mavericks in both games with 24 points, respectively, in each game. Uh, They started off their Summer League by losing 91-80 to to the Oklahoma City Thunder on July 8th, so on Saturday. And then um, yesterday, they lost, or they won, rather, to the... uh, Philadelphia 76er summer league team 111 to 103 uh, after they were down by 15 points in the fourth quarter things were looking very grim for the Mavericks but they were able to uh, pull a pretty uh, you know team spirited comeback and uh, pull away with a pretty decisive victory Um, there's a lot of you know sort of conflicting uh, things that you get out of summer league especially uh, you know you you may see a player um, lock down an opponent and you know play some of the best defenses life of his life like one possession and then the next possession uh you know completely uh just you know concede a clear way to the rim for said player and not even try on defense so um th- there's a lot to take in but we we also do have to remember that these guys are you know learning all these new schemes trying to you know keep pace at the NBA level even for the guys that have you know been in the NBA and are trying to make a return to the NBA or have been in the G League. It is another sort of field of competition, um, you know, with a lot more NBA talent than they're used to. So uh, there's a, there's a lot of variables at play. So you know you never want to get too overreactive to anything that happens in summer league, Jaron. But based on the Mavericks' first two games, how are you feeling? Uh, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, Omax, uh, Derek Lively, you know, AJ Lawson, all these guys that we expected to get big minutes outside of the first game. Uh, for the Rooks, you know, we have seen big minutes uh, and not just big minutes, but we've seen good play. <clears throat> and, you know, we've seen the holes, I guess, that they need to work on. I think that's probably most important uh, is we've we've seen what this team or not what this team, but what these guys need to develop um, and, you know, ensure, you know, what the next steps are at the next level. So um, I think it's been very exciting to see them play. Uh, whether it's Jaden Hardy sort of balling out on inefficient numbers as per usual um, in summer league, that is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been having a fun time with it. I think the fans have been having a fun time with it. Uh, Omax is everything that we've expected on the defensive end. Derek Lively, he's been a little shaky, uh, but his shot, shot contesting has been pretty solid. Uh, but he's been fun to watch. And, uh, you know, Jane Hardy's been, of course, fun to watch. He's um, always a guy that's going to be uh, a sort of, um, you know, looker whenever he's getting to the hoop. And that's, you know, what, one thing that we have have noticed uh, throughout his career so far. So, you know, everything that we've, I guess, you know, wanted to see, we have seen, uh, you know, there is some more that we would like to see out of these young rookies. Uh, but look, you know, it's only summer league. We're only going to get a handful of games. Uh, we're going to have to wait till summer league or uh, till camp starts uh, and then preseason, of course, and then going on to the regular season to see some more minutes of what these guys could possibly do. But uh, from now, um, you know, it hasn't been a, too good of a sampling size, but it's been fun to watch. So uh, I think that's probably I'll leave it at that because, yeah, I mean, it has been very fun to watch and especially that comeback. I will admit that has been that was uh, very fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, Jaden Hardy honestly led the way with 24 points. So yeah. that, that was fun. Now, Jaden Hardy has uh, definitely been trying to expand as a playmaker, uh, you know, as, as well as, 
you know, a score uh, just in his ability to get to the rim and things of that nature. And Jared Dudley, Mass Summer League coach, who's been doing a pretty, you know, tremendous job. If you've watched some of the clips in terms of how he's talking about the uh, schematics, a lot of those have been posted up on Twitter um, by Grant Afseth and some other guys. Um, you know, Jared Dudley has really been spearheading this roster for the Mavericks, you know, and for a guy that was just um, not in the league really all too, you know, long ago. He, I think he's doing an excellent job as a coach. And, you know, he talked a little bit about Hardy's struggles and, you know, what they've been conducive to and, you know, just being able to uh, perfect the pacing, not rushing things, you know, trying to hit the guy in the weak side corner when the the low man flashes down low, like things of that nature. Um, there's there's really just a lot of good digs, um, you know, that, that he's talked about. But with Jaden Hardy, I mean, he's had a, a rougher sort of two games. I mean, uh, that first game was definitely a lot more efficient in terms of his shot making. Um, but, you know, he kind of waned in terms of his productivity as the game went on. And then we saw the opposite in the second game where he, he kind of got hot towards the end. Um, but, you know, throughout that first half, I mean, he um, looked just really dead, um, was not able to get by anybody, didn't have good legs on his jump shot, was making a lot of uh, sort of lackadaisical turnovers. And apparently God, Sham God had a halftime speech that really invigorated some fire into him. And luckily, you know, the Mavericks were able to come back and win. So I I think given the competitor that Jaden is and how advanced he is, you know, still playing in summer league, I, I think he's going to go off on really efficient shooting at least one of these games, get a 30 plus bomb for sure. Uh, given that, you know, he already had one last year with his first game uh, against the Bulls in last year's summer league. But uh, seeing how these next, you know, at least guaranteed three games are going to pan out is going to be really intriguing, uh, really exciting. And I, I think that we'll, you know, learn a lot more about some of the prospects on the Mavericks, especially as, you know, Derek Lively and, you know, Omax play a little bit more minutes as, as Jared Dudley hinted at on Twitter, um, because they obviously had to sit out the first uh, you know, sort of part of the summer league training camp due to some trades not being made official yet. Yeah. And it kind of hindered how much they were able to play so far. So uh, that's going to be, you know, fun to watch as we continue to get even more and more of Dallas's new uh, featured rookies, you know, up front. And also, I mean, just, um, you know, seeing some of these developmental guys like, like Jordan Walker, Mike Miles, some of the guys that, you know, are in training camp invites or potential two-way deals, um, seeing how they pan out is going to be very in intriguing as well. Um, but what I do really like what the Mavericks have done this summer league more so than anything is, you know, not limiting Jaden Hardy in terms of his minutes or, you know, even making him sit out of summer league outright, kind of like what they did with Josh Green a couple years ago, even though that was kind of at the crossing of regimes with COVID and everything and summer league was all screwed up. Uh, I really like them, you know, kind of doing what Houston's doing with some of their second year guys who are really good, you know, still playing him heavy minutes. I, I don't think the Mavericks are, you know, going to do anything like the Spurs did with, uh, you know, Wimbam Yama or what the Thunder did with uh, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara, where they're going to sit these guys after, you know, just one game or something like that, and specific, specifically in Hardy's case. Um, I, I like that they're at least getting him some good developmental run here because, you know, he, he looked good last year, uh, especially towards the tail end of the season, um, but he's – I don't know if he's on par with some of those other guys that are just completely ready to, yeah. you know, hit the ground running in terms of their development. And, um, you know, obviously while they do have stuff to work on or maybe evolving a bit faster, I, I still think it's a good thing 
despite his, you know, insane scoring ability to be able to, you know, clean up a lot of the playmaking issues, a lot of the turnover issues in summer league. So uh, it's going to be fun going forward, but otherwise in today's podcast, we'll spin the rumor mill a little bit, catch up on some free agent stuff. You know, we're, we're reserving, um, you know, kind of another week or two, at least till summer league's over to, you know, fully dissect all the moves Mavericks have made, but, you know, and get into exact, you know, the fit of everything with every single player, you know, Grant Williams and all that stuff. But, you know, we we still will be talking about them ad nauseum on this podcast, um, you know, referencing all the moves the Mavericks have made and what they could be doing. Um, so, and, and of course, as, you know, the offseason drags along, despite some trades maybe not coming into fruition as fast as we'd like it to, um, we're still going to be talking about whatever sort of rumors are, you know, circulating at the time. So, guys stay tuned for that but before we get into the rest of this podcast here's an ad from our sponsor spotify for podcasters all right jaren so let's go ahead and spin the rumor mill first before we actually get into these summer league affairs that the mavericks have had the last few days so first off the mavericks have not officially completed the sign and trade for grant williams uh which is a very interesting aspect of of all of this because that gives them the potential maybe or you know maybe that gives credence to the fact that they might be opening or expanding up the deal a little bit so that's definitely something to monitor obviously we covered in the last podcast Matisse Thibel's offer sheet getting matched and essentially what that constitutes and talked a little bit a little bit about what the Mavericks might do next um, it almost seems as if they're kind of playing the the waiting game at this point they have finalized all their other moves in terms of re-signing Dwight Powell um, you know, making the Kings trade with Rashawn Holmes official, um, of course, you know, making the, I don't know if they've made the Seth Curry official signing yet. It's not official. We don't have a dollar amount. Nor the Dante Exum. Nor yeah. the Dante Exum one, but everything else they, they, they have indeed made official as well as Kyrie signing and shout out to Kyrie. He signed with Anta today. Yes, absolutely. He's mm-hmm. finally got his, uh, new shoe brand from a pretty prominent, um, you know, Asian shoe company, I believe. Some other NBA players were with them for a while. I can't remember if it was D Wade was with them or if he was with another one, but yeah, like, uh, but you know, um, he's over there spearheading the brand. Uh, is going to get his own signature shoes now. They're like their creation executive officer or something like that. Uh, so good for him after you know his fallout with Nike and everything. But obviously, the Mavericks are you know trying to leave the door open, probably you know to have a little bit of flexibility here, but. You know, conversely, a lot of fans are also overreacting, given that there really hasn't been anything going on uh, in the NBA, despite there being a few restricted free agents available, um, as well as, you know, a lot of trades uh, potentially, you know, still poised to happen that have yet to happen. Um, And a lot of fans are, you know, kind of getting down, thinking that this is going to be the final product that the Mavericks uh, put out for the summer. And I, I wouldn't say I'm I'm split necessarily 50-50 that the Mavericks are, you know, just completely done and I, I am holding on to, you know, just just as much hope as I am um, thinking that, uh, you know, the converse is true. But, you know, just given re- revisionist history, you know, granted it was with a, you know, different regime uh, multiple times, of course, that the Mavericks over the last few years have, you know, been in a position to at least make other moves or seem like they're going to make other moves. And, you know, they haven't in off season after off season. So, you know, I, I would say I'm of the opinion, I'm probably about like 75% sure that they're going to still do something, um, you know, all sort of signs point towards them 
um, waiting for some of these bigger trades to fall out uh, to see, you know, if any guys get bought out, if they have any other better options with their mid-level ex uh, exception or the rest of it, uh, if they choose to save the biannual exception for next year and uh, pencil in Seth Curry uh, with about, you know, uh, one fourth of the mid-level exception, they, they have some different options there. And then, you know, just find another wing and then maybe bring in that, um, you know, sort of highly touted stopgap center that we keep on talking about or Clint Capella, uh, I guess, you know, <laughs> he's been the only sort of feasible guy in trade rumors besides DeAndre Ayton and, you know, the whole proposed Tim Hardaway Jr. and Deion and uh, Rashawn Holmes package for DeAndre Ayton that Mark Stein says wasn't really, you know, all as close uh, in terms of it, you know, coming into fruition as, as we think. But Tim McMahon says that the Mavericks, you know, sort of bucked out on that deal. There's, there's just a lot of conflicting reports of interest, uh, but one staple right now, I think, even, you know, with some of those national guys like Mark Stein and Tim McMahon is that, you know, I, I think the Mavericks are still in a position to make moves. And they, I think they honestly kind of expect at least the Mavericks to do something. Uh, now, I, I don't think any of them have said as much that it's a surefire um, sort of process here in terms of the Mavericks being able to acquire another big or another wing. I, I don't think that everybody is operating the assumption that that's a done deal, but I think at least a lot of the sentiment of all, you know, sort of revolving around right now um, is that they would at least um, be pretty smart to, you know, cash in on this sort of window with, you know, only two more years left of Kyrie Irving. Obviously, you know, you can make the argument that yes, like they need a developmental curve and it's probably, you know, smarter for the Mavericks to, to wait for the trade deadline, but there is also a continuity aspect of this and you no know, good teams aren't just made in one year, even if the Mavericks were to throw all the theoretical pieces together to build a contender this year. Um, there's no guarantee that that team would have enough, um, you know, synergy and um, that, that they would be synchronized enough with each other uh, to come and win a championship year one, you know, simply because they haven't played with each other long enough. And the Mavericks have, you know, had a lot of continuity over the last few years, except for, this off season, but they haven't had a lot of good continuity in the post Dirk era. Um, when you're looking at a lot of these teams, none of them have been, you know, 50 plus wins for multiple seasons, you know, maybe barring uh, last year's um, or the year before last now uh, right. with the 2022 playoffs. And then the 2021 playoffs the year before uh, where the Mavericks were, you know, finally starting to build something, but they weren't able to finalize the, you know, last chess pieces on the board with that roster and add on to Jalen Brunson and they weren't able to capitalize upon their continuity there. And it's so, you know, they're essentially flipping the script now. And, and I do think that to give themselves the best odds possible to win a championship in at least a guaranteed Kyrie window, because, you know, I, hopefully he, you know, comes back after two years, whether that's, you know, in a lesser role throughout the latter half of his career or, or what, I don't really know, but, you know, for, you know, for his sake and, you know, how good of a player he is. We obviously hope he comes back after just those two guaranteed years, but he only does have those two guaranteed years. So they, you know, do need to capitalize. And I think that they know that. I think that they know, like Mark Stein reported, that they are probably still poised to go get another center release, that they haven't addressed their offseason issues to a premium as much as they uh, would have hoped. Uh, but that's not to say that they won't do it or, you know, that this sort of, uh, more moratorium period where they're, we're kind of waiting out to see what's going to happen. Wasn't a planned thing. Um, you know, the Matisse Dybul thing from their perspective almost seemed like a sort of a pipe dream if they could yeah. get both of those guys. So, I mean, I, I'm definitely, 
you know, haven't lost hope or anything like that. But I, I do understand, you know, the the worrisome nature of a lot of fans right now. But I, you know, do want to at least, you know, encourage everybody to enjoy summer league, enjoy what's happening with the Mavericks right now, and be excited for the moves that have happened. Because you know this team did at least improve pretty marginally, even if they don't do anything. Um, you know, obviously we'll apply our criticisms when the offseason is done if they don't do anything, but that you know shouldn't hinder you know excitement at at the end of the day. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody how to fan. I, I just want to you know encourage everybody to at least appreciate what we do have. You know, but we we can for sure still apply you know criticism as needed. So. You know, that's essentially my take on it, but um, there there haven't really been too many rumors um, outside of, you know, a lot of sort of fringe uh, trade buzz yeah. uh, that's been going on that hasn't really been all too credibly sourced. There's been some stuff with Bojan Bogdanovich, Clint Capella, that's kind of came out from different guys, um, more so like uh, beat writers or, or guys that are specifically covering other teams like, you know, Hawks, uh, you know, locked in guys like guys that are locked in with the Pistons have been saying stuff like that, but there hasn't really been anybody on a national level saying anything too all too credible other than Mark Stein saying that the Mavericks probably will still make some other moves this off season. So, you know, stay tuned for that, Jaron, but is there anything else from a rumors perspective that um, you would like to touch up on? Yeah. I mean, I think that you pretty much touched up. Uh, I, I mean, I know Dalton Trigg released a, a pretty good, sort of five team deal uh, that would kind of surface that uh, Grant Williams trade back and in, back into a topic uh, because again, you know, it hasn't been finalized. There still could be potential works there that the Mavericks are possibly doing. I'm not, you know, really too sure what's happening behind closed doors, but there could possibly be something happening. And that's kind of what Dalton Trigg uh, sort of brought up in his latest article. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, talking about that five team trade. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I, I don't think that there's been anything too credible. I mean, there was a whole PJ Washington thing for about, I don't know, two hours uh, a few days ago, and that quickly uh, dissolved. Like, it was like a, a two, three day cycle, but it was like only two hours in terms yeah, of people actually. Actually, leaving. yeah. And then, but, yeah, it very quickly dissolved. But I mean, that, that's still a situation to monitor, given that it does seem like he's poised to take the qualifying offer with Charlotte, seeing that he obviously has not uh, been impressed with whatever um, offer sheets they've um, gave him or whatever offers they've tried to throw at him. But you know, it it also is somewhat of an unlikely scenario, just given how talented of a player he is and how, you know, Charlotte would want to keep that guy, you know, somebody of that caliber, regardless if they have a log jam at that position, just due to the ability to, you know, flip him for another asset. But, you know, as of right now, they seem like they're setting themselves up to lose him in restricted free agency. Ne- or, I mean, unrestricted, unrestricted, free, yeah. unrestricted free agency next year. So that's an interesting uh sort of aspect there but there there's a lot of stuff that i you know don't necessarily know what's going to happen i think the mavericks have been operating uh with a little bit more of a closed mouth policy as an organization uh ever since nico harrison stepped into office there's been a lot more smoke screens a lot more sort of doing exactly what you know not or this sort of phrase doing exactly what not has been reported versus <laughs> doing what's reported you know in the donnie nelson era it was more like you know, the reports, you just hear nothing until yeah, the actual, until it happened, yeah. until it happened. But Nico uh, does, you know, has featured a lot of posturing, a lot of smoke screens. And, you know, to, to see some of these like guys that are typically more plugged into the Mavericks on a national level, not specifically Mark Stein, because, you know, he's really plugged in, but like Tim McMahon be wrong. on a few of these things has been kind of uh, funny, but 
you know, uh, enough with our, you know, rant about the rumor mill and stuff like that. We're going to be doing stuff like that almost every podcast <laughs> uh, for the rest of the summer, at least giving you guys a little up-to-date news roundabout until the Mavericks don't make any trades going into training camp. And we're all just, you know, depressed on a absolute, you know, macro scale. And, you know, we want to cry our eyes into pillows um, with the White Pals starting at center again for yet another season. And don't get me wrong, I'm not hating on the White Powell. I'm just saying, you know, from an organizational perspective, I do think that that, you know, the Mavericks would be, you know, committing some atrocities if that were to occur, but that's not me hitting on Dwight Powell, the player, you know, for everybody in the Dwight uh, Powell fan club, because I know it's very prominent on Twitter right now. I I love the guy earnestly. I love what he brings to the city. I love his energy and his work ethic. I just, you know, don't think that he should be the stopgap starting center, but at, you know, conversely, I'm not, you know, saying that it's, you know, D-Day, if Dwight Powell's the starting center at the beginning of the season, I I don't think all hell's going to break loose. I don't think that it downplays some of the good moves that this team has already made. Uh, you know, I, I'm just saying that I would obviously be preferential to them still doing stuff. And I, I will be critical if he is a starting center, but, you know, I, I'm not going to just say that they fielded the worst starting center in NBA history. Like, you know, there you guys have to have some sort of, uh, middle ground with the whole Dwight Powell situation, but I I don't want to, you know, appeal to everybody any longer. I've I've done my Dwight Powell uh, spill that I do every pod uh, to try to appease both sides of the uh, totem pole in terms of the absolute just Dwight Powell should never exist club yeah. as well as the <laughs> as the uh, you know beloved fan base. So um, I'm I'm one of the few people existing in the in that uh, middle ground in, in an abyss of nothing, but. Otherwise, Jaron, these last two summer league games have been exciting. Also, uh, definitely, uh, I think an aspect of realism uh, has sort of been introduced with them, you know, given all the hype with the rookies and stuff like that, seeing how these guys are actually faring on the court, seeing their flaws, you know, not just seeing a, a draft scouting video. Me and you were obviously pretty limited in our ability to watch both of these guys uh, yeah. in terms of you know, watching whole on games of them last year or anything like that, given that we only really ramped up our coverage of them leading up to the draft, you know, but we've obviously talked about how highly touted these guys are, how much they could potentially even make a day one impact for the Mavericks. And, you know, that has, I don't think that my excitement has necessarily been hampered, uh, but I, I have, it has been nice, honestly, to, to recognize some of the, the flaws in these guys' games because you get to see, them on more of a, a larger scale and it's uh, easier to identify and, you know, it gives me a little bit more of a, um, a known sort of aspect here of what the Mavericks are going to be looking at heading into training camp with. Um, so, you know, let's just start with the rookies first off. What have you been impressed by um, with Derek Lively as well as Omax so far this summer league? And what have you not been impressed by within those first two games against OKC and Philadelphia? Yeah, you know, absolutely. One thing that does stick out to me about both those guys, for a matter of fact, is defense. Uh, this was, of course, something that, you know, has been highly talked about. Uh, you would be living under a rock if you didn't know their stri- their primary strengths. Uh, but yeah, you know, with Omax in particular, his ability to, you know, be out in the perimeter, uh, defend guys one-on-one, even be so switchable to the fact that he's gotten multiple steals um, off of blitzing sort of, uh, you know, high screen pick and rolls or, you know, getting some cross-court steals, whatever it is. 
Um, he's been a very switchable defender, and that's something that you know I kind of knew uh, after watching, or I guess doing my limited homework on him uh, pre-draft, but or not pre-draft, but uh, post-draft. Um, but look, I mean, you know, it, it's something that's uh, really fun to see. Like I said. But yeah, I liked what I saw on the defensive side of things. He brought a lot of a lot more versatility uh, than I thought he could. A lot more uh, leadership, also. You know, his, I think his ability to be vocal—that was one thing that kind of stuck out to me uh, in the Oklahoma City game more so. Uh, was just his ability to be vocal, uh, be kind of you know one of the main guys on the court, be heard. Uh, I, you know, I, I know in a in a uh, filled stadium uh, in the or filled arena rather. You know, we're probably not going to hear those things, but you know, in the summer league, we can at least hear him uh, or hear the guys sort of communicate and everything. And it's good to hear his voice be some of the loudest ones. Um, so that was, you know, something that was very little that kind of stuck out to me, but on, on the offensive end, uh, you know, just being, you know, where he's needed, uh, whether it's corner threes, uh, he's had a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of second chance possessions. And that's something that, you know, coming into the league, uh, I think was something that on the offensive end stuck out to a lot of scouts and, you know, definitely through two games of summer league, we've seen a lot of that. Um, but look, you know, we're going to have to see a lot more from a self-creating standpoint. I, I don't think he has very many turnovers, uh, but to that point, he hasn't gotten the ball a whole lot to create. Uh, so I'd like to see a little bit more of that going forward. I don't know if we'll have an extra summer league game uh, going on because uh, I believe it's four guaranteed. No, it's five guaranteed. Oh, it's five. Get, okay. So you get a, you get a, yeah, I guess you get one. Yeah. You get one. If you yeah. Don't make the playoffs. So yeah, I guess, yeah, five guaranteed. So at some point I would like to see uh, him with the rock a little bit. Uh, see him sort of break down guys, see him get to the paint a little bit. You know, we haven't seen enough of that, but from, you know, from our point now, uh, you know, with pretty much, I think four or five days now of, you know, training with the guys and two games, of course, uh, you know, I've, I've liked what I've seen, uh, you know, and look, these teams aren't complete. Uh, these guys were pretty much put together uh, within a 24 hour notice almost. And, you know, they've only had about four days to play with each other before the, the sort of summer league started. Um, so look, you know, we're not looking for perfect basketball out of these players, but, uh, yeah, you know, from that perspective, I, I would like to see more, uh, on the offensive end out of Omax. Uh, but you know, from what we have seen from the effort standpoint, from defensive side of the, from the defensive side of the ball, um, and of course on offense for what little we have seen, I've really liked what I've seen. Uh, well, I know you want to talk about Derek Levis, so go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but I was going to touch up on Omax a little bit. I think that the biggest drawing point for me is definitely, the effort and I, I just didn't really know how uber energetic of a guy he was I mean you know if if an opposing team's you know inbounding the ball after, after a Mavericks made basket like he got a steal uh right off of that yeah. for an easy dunk mm -hmm. in the Philadelphia game uh stuff like that just making all the little intangible uh sort of hustle plays high IQ plays um and, and doing so effectively and not taking any plays off and doing it time in and time out again uh, that's been the thing that's impressed me most because the pace of the NBA game uh, can definitely definitely be a suffering point for a lot of uh, young players. And, you know, you see them get undisciplined and stuff like that. This guy has been probably easily the best, uh, I, I think, from a holistic perspective, I think the best defensive player on the Mavericks Summer League team. Um, I mean, he's in that first game was able to switch on the Chet a few yeah. times, mm -hmm. guard him out on the perimeter, force him into a tough mid-range jump shot one time uses his link to the best of his ability against centers. I mean, yeah, he's at a size disadvantage and that has hurt him a few times. And there were a few times where there were some, you know, quicker, uh, you know, shiftier guards around like six foot, six foot one, you know, you see a lot of more smaller guards in summer leagues uh, that necessarily haven't been able to make it up to the higher ranks. 
uh, that, that did get by him a few times. But other than that, I mean, his on-ball defense, his ability to move his hips, um, his um, discipline in terms of not, uh, you know, biting on pump fakes, not biting on, you know, pass fakes or ball fakes or up fakes, any of that stuff is is really advanced. And, um, you know, and from an energy perspective and from, you know, a rotational perspective on defense, um, you know, being able to switch when needed, um, you know, he's been one of the better Mavericks at veer switching um, yeah. when possessions um, start to, you know, sort of go haywire and they you have to make a sort of last, you know, minute switch. He's just a really instinctual defender, very much a, a huge ball hawker uh, on defense. Uh, I would almost relate him to a safety or a cornerback in terms of his ability to play the passing lanes, but then he's like a linebacker in terms of, you know, almost like playing the run the way that the guy stays connected to, a, you know, a, a guy's hip and is, is tracking uh, the ball handler. I mean, he's really impressed me. He, he has, you know, potential, uh, you know, one through five versatility on the defensive end, the NBA level. Um, I, I don't know if he can do that day one, but I mean, that he's definitely a guy that can get there. I mean, it looks like he's added some weight onto his frame uh, since he wrapped up his time at Marquette. I've been really impressed with what he's done from a defensive perspective and from an offensive perspective, you know, it has looked a little raw and we haven't got to see him featured too prominently. He's been playing, uh, you know, pretty strictly as a three and D wing, but I love his movement off of missed shots. He's always following his yeah. shots. Um, anytime that there's an offensive rebound, he cuts immediately to the rim. Uh, when a possession's dead, getting late in the shot clock, he always uh, does a 45 cut or uh, cuts on the baseline and, you know, stuff like that, um, you know, coming off, you know, there was a few times in that Philadelphia game they they ran some like little cross screen action for him to for him to get the ball, um, you know, about ten feet away from the basket. He, you know, elected not to shoot it, but he had some opportunities maybe get downhill. I don't know. He, I like the way that they're using him right now. Uh, as the minutes increase, I hope the usage rate and the, uh, you know, Omax uh, attacking off closeouts and maybe potentially handling the ball a bit a little bit uh, sort of dosage increases a little bit, but. Um, as you know, it currently stands, he's probably impressed me and been the most NBA ready guy day one for the Mavericks uh, so far in summer league and definitely has the most translatable game to the NBA level. Even if he's not shooting the three at a high clip, I mean, he's a guy that can come in and, and play, you know, really good surefire ball hawking defense on all levels. So uh, I've really liked that. And he has me really excited, but you know, the three point shot and he has a shot a ton of threes in summer league. Yeah. So I'm not going to be too judgmental because he did make one that for or one or two that first game. And I don't think he made one in the second game, but um, you know, the form does not look bad at all. Uh, his free throw does have this weird little sort of hitch, but um, I, I mean, I, I think that if he is going to shoot at the rate that he was sort of at the NBA combine that jolted him up and a lot of those uh, scouts progressions uh, into that first round uh, thrusted him into the first round, if he can continue, you know, to to shoot at that sort of clip, he'll be a guy that I mean could even potentially be a fringe starter for the Mavericks. Um, you know, may will at least definitely be in the rotation. Uh, but I do think how you know good that three ball is is going to definitely carry over uh, in terms of how much he'll be featured his rookie year. I think that that's one thing that we definitely learned uh, because of how much more you know integral shooting is at the NBA level versus when you're just looking at these guys trying to get them some run for development and the games don't matter as much, but, you know, to, to move on to Derek Lively um, look, I mean, you can obviously see the potential uh, there just strictly with the frame. A lot of guys, you know, 
particularly centers uh, that are in that 6'11 to 7 foot range. Um, you know, they may be an inch or two shorter than they actually are listed at. I mean, this guy's like a legit 7'1, yeah. uh, 230, and uh, he he is mobile. He's, you know, not quite as like tall as like a KP or a Wimbamyama to where, you know, the, the injury questions sort of start to prevail and you're extremely scared over, you know, the, the way that he moves given his size. It is, it is, you know, really natural, especially uh, for a center. He jumps off two feet um, and it is just really, uh, you know, that prototypical uh, rim protecting five that, you know, it could be poised to, to be a really good rim runner. And we've seen all the flashes, but conversely, we have seen uh, a lot of cons that, you know, he will have to improve upon, but I mean, he's only 19. So that he, he can definitely improve upon those areas very easily. Um, you know, working with Tyson Chandler is a great deal for him, as we've obviously said on this podcast. And, you know, staying within the Mavericks uh, developmental system, this guy could be a very special player, especially if he's ever ever able to develop that shot one day. He airballed his one three. He's took the <laughs> summer league so far, but I do have hope that he'll make at least one, you know, before the summer hopefully, league's over. Hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Uh, it's not a definite idea. After that last one, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I know that he shoots it at a good – or not a good clip, but a good clip at least in, you know, individual workouts yeah. uh, from what we've heard. But yeah. uh, I think he was 14% at Duke, so there's not a lot of – Yeah. Know, yeah. that argument, but uh, I would hope that we get to see one. So Yes. Um, and it's also been interesting to see a guy that was shooting a lot of threes in summer league but wasn't making them last year even though he was – sort of market is this three and D center and Marcus Bingham not really played all the yeah. Mavericks are either playing extremely small in these games or they're rolling with lively at the five. Um, you know, they're, they're rolling with like Braxton key or, you know, like Taze Moore basically yeah, in, the center yeah, position. Um, in some of these, uh, you know, sort of later closing. Oh, uh, we got Chris Silva. Yeah. We got Chris Silva, yeah. but he, he, he's didn't, a, he didn't he's, close the game. Yeah. He didn't close the yeah, game. I mean, he, 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 played, he played better in the seven. He, did, he played, game. he played a lot better, but yeah, still, he was just a lot more limited in his minutes, <laughs> but we'll get to the rest of the guys later in the podcast and we'll, we'll touch up on them some as well as how the actual games fared, but we definitely will not go as in depth into them as we do with our normal regular season games for uh, our regular listeners who listen to our post game press coverage. Um, well, not press coverage, but our press, our post game coverage yes. after games uh, this year and our pause on that, you know, where we dissected the whole game, you know, with there really not, not being anything else to talk about, but the game, you know, there's, there's a lot more at play to talk about with the development of these guys. And I think Jaron and I looking back at how our, some of our summer league uh, podcasts were a year ago, where we just dissected, <laughs> we dissected the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did player profiles yeah. for basically everybody on the yeah, team. Too, no. so. yeah, we, we we definitely need to be a, a little less uh, niche in, in uh, how in-depth we're going there. But uh, nonetheless, you know, with Derek Lively, like I was talking about, he, you know, houses all the prototypical features of, you know, that, that rim-protecting, rim-running five that is so coveted in the NBA, especially if they can shoot nowadays. Um, we saw in that OKC game just how good the shot blocking ability was, his ability to slide his feet over um, and be a weak side rim protector. But um, in that um, 76ers game, conversely, uh, we, we saw a lot of guys attacking off closeouts, getting downhill. The 76ers had, I think, you know, as good as that Thunder roster was, the 76ers offense um, was heavily conducive to, to Quavion Smith and um, – God, I'm bluffing on this guy's name. Um, uh, DJ Stewart. DJ uh, Stewart and yeah. both of those guys getting downhill. They had some real lengthy, fast, shifty guards. And they were they were putting their bodies into Derek Lively. And while Derek Lively was keeping his hands straight up, 
he was sliding into the right position, you know, maybe a second too late, but not, nothing to where he, he wasn't just blatantly missing rotations. Yeah. Um, but he, he was kind of just getting bodied and getting scored on despite, you know, even some decent contest. Um, you know, even that one time in transition where the 76ers big man uh, was able to get like a left-hand layup over from Gonzaga. Yeah, they, for, they, that was yeah. like 45 times. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's what, that's what his name was. Um, you know, stuff like that. And you see where some of the NBA intangibles necessarily not, might not be there yet uh, with him maybe needing to put on a little bit of muscle. You know, he's got some decent size to him, but as fast as some of those guys come downhill onto centers, you know, with, with that much force and you basically having to stay straight up as a rim protector, that's not an easy task to do. And, you know, we saw him get bodied a couple of times despite, you know, keeping his hands high, stuff like that. That's going to just take time to develop on. Um, you know, being, you know, more explosive, using your strength in tandem with your verticality and not, you know, strictly relying on your verticality to to be able to make plays at times. Um, but even in that, you know, 76ers game, you see the how light he is on his feet, how promising uh, that, you know, this guy is to be able to, you know, switch on to ones and twos at times. Well, that's not necessarily, you know, something that I'm sure he'll be able to to do in every scenario, particularly with some of the you know, point of attack ball handlers in the NBA. I mean, it, it's something that he can do from like, you know, time to time and certain occasions. And that, that was really impressive to me. And the defense has been, you know, very flashy, but you know, there have been some, some negatives there offensively. Uh, he has looked good as a rim runner besides uh, one of the more integral parts of being a rim runner, which is setting a screen. And this is something that we talked a lot yeah. about uh, in some of his pre-draft stuff that he is not a guy that, you know, has been able to anchor down and set, you know, steady screens. He, he certainly probably has the ability to do it, especially when he adds a little bit of strength. And I, we've seen do it have a couple good screens in, in summer league, but, you know, it, it is good, especially if the Mavericks, uh, you know, are starting some of their actions uh, well above the break to where Jaden can get downhill and, you know, Derek Lively can use his athleticism uh, to run after guys. But, you know, as much as you're going to get blitzed in the NBA, um, there, there's not going to be as much of, there's, you know, the lack of traps and double teams to stop specific guys in summer league is definitely not something that coaches are are going to. They're just trying to, you know, mix in certain zone aspects, certain, you know, man zone aspects. Um, and, and of course, to see how their guys are doing in a regular man scheme, switching, uh, you know, playing in weak and drop coverage, stuff like that. They're trying to see how their guys are just going to fit in regular NBA, um, you know, defenses before they they really open up the the toolbox um and starts you know throwing traps and double teams at guys to see how they'll react because you know hedging and recovering because i mean at the end of the day you know, a lot of these guys aren't even going to be on the mavericks roster aren't gonna yeah. you know need to know this scheme and they don't have a whole lot of time to, to be able to develop that stuff so you know it, it's pretty rudimentary basic uh sort of stuff that they're running here but you know Derek lively you know still well you know he can kind of feature that athleticism uh, in certain scenarios, there will be times where um, in, in the NBA where he's going to need to need to, you know, set a really solid screen to negate a ball hand or, you know, being able or a point of attack defender rather being able to like hedge and recover uh, to totally mess up a lob pass. He, he's going to need to do that to, you know, set a little bit more spacing. Obviously, times that there will be there will be times where, you know, he needs to slip and, you know, not set as hard of a screen. I think he's done a really good job diagnosing uh, when to do that because, I mean, he kind of just does it every yeah, time so <laughs> yeah i mean it, when when he does need to slip and you know per, say the you know the ball handler is getting pressured a little bit harder 
And, you know, he has more of a clear path to the rim without necessarily needing to, you know, set a hard, uh, you know, anchored down screen. I mean, yeah, he, he's doing good at that. But, you know, especially with the pacing that Luke operates, not necessarily always just being a guy that's going to go straight downhill, snaking the pick and roll a lot, relying on that screen uh, to, you know, get defenders on his hip oftentimes. That's going to be a huge part of his offensive game and something he needs to develop. And, you know, I've, I've really loved what I've seen from a rebounding perspective. He boxes out really well, goes up, grabs the ball with two hands. That's not even something I really have a question about. I was, I've been really impressed with that. Um, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, I, I think once, you know, the fundamentals start to come into fruition for him, I mean, he, one day in his NBA career could screw around and get a triple-double with blocks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. He's a guy like that. I mean, he has – the potential is off the charts. What, I'm, what I've learned in this – uh, last few few games and the athleticism is even more explosive than you know I, I even thought you know some of those clips from Duke last year it almost you know looked like he was kind of taking it easy on the rim sometimes you know when he had enough space just because of some of those college guys just simply can't even go up and contest a guy with that sort of size but I mean he's throwing down some ferocious dunks going up hard for rebounds I don't know exactly where he projects developmentally you know we talked a little bit about earlier in the pod or maybe this was off air I can't remember specifically but you know, Tim McMahon reported that he's a guy that may see a lot, you know, just as much time in the G League as, you know, as he does on the main roster. I don't know if I'm necessarily, you know, of that sentiment, especially his training camp have yet to hit. Uh, I do think that him spending some time in the D G League, especially at the start of his tenure with the Mavericks, is going to be really beneficial for him, it's, you know, especially given a lot of young big men, even in the lottery, like Mark Williams has spent good time in the G League and then came out to be productive players at the latter half of their rookie year. He's going to need that. Uh, this is going to be a guy that probably gets better throughout the first few years of his career. Um, you know, but it's, it's not going to be a, a day one sort of deal um, where he's going to be his holistic version of himself. Now, could he get to a position this season where he's good enough to start? Absolutely. I, I don't think that he's going to be able to do that day one until, you know, he, he's able to get mentored from Mavericks players and staff and, you know, be able to work on some of the, you know, those intangibles in terms of fine tuning his, uh, screening ability, um, you know, being a little bit better rotationally uh, on defense, you know, reacting harder on some of those, uh, you know, times when a ball handler gets beat and he has to, you know, come out strong for, uh, you know, a weak side contest or something like that. And just adding strength. I think he's going to need to work on all of that, of course, and, you know, as well as continue uh, shooting the basketball to see where that could go, because that could really turn the tide in terms of how, um, good this guy could be in his NBA career one day. Um, but look, I mean, the, the potential is there. It's, it's off the charts. I, and I, I don't think that, you know, he's necessarily just limited to being a guy that's, you know, going to be a fringe rotation center and playing just as much time in the G league as he does with the main roster. I think he could very well just get some G league run this year and play a decent amount with the main roster, probably progressively more and more as he gets better. Um, and, and I'm really encouraged by how, Part of a worker this guy seems to be in all of his intangibles uh, as a young man, stuff like that. He looks, uh, you know, he's he's the perfect type of guy that you'd like to come in and get mentored by like a Tyson Chandler. Um, but, you know, these last two games have shown the sort of ebb and flow of, you know, how volatile he kind of is, um, you know, as, as young as he is and as raw as he is, especially with not having got to practice with these guys ad nauseum, um, not even really getting a full practice with them, maybe until that last day where he was uh, cleared to go. There's a lot of intricacies in his game he's still going to have to hash out, and I wouldn't even say he's as NBA-ready as Omax has, uh, as Omax is these last couple games, but, you know, has he impressed and shown a lot of flashes to where 
I'm encouraged to see how his rookie year goes. Cause I, I mean, I really don't know how, how it's going to go exactly, but I do think, you know, he could be a rotation player for the Mavericks at the end of the day. I mean, yes, I'm very encouraged by that. So um, this uh, summer league has just been really exciting to watch. I, I liked how he stayed competitive, even, you know, when there have been some discouraging uh, sort of happenings in, in certain games, like him getting scored on multiple times, um, you know, kind of getting his head down a little bit, but being able to pick himself back up, um, you know, closing out the game the other night with Philadelphia, he did a good job. You know, he, he's a guy that where his confidence doesn't get wavered. And I like his persistency because a lot of young big men uh, tend to get really down on themselves when they're playing bad and stuff like that. So uh, that's yeah. been something I've really enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I was actually going to bring that point up. Yeah. Um, you know, it, just this sort of effect on offense, you know, uh, I've noticed a few times, you know, not often because, again, there hasn't been a huge sample size, but uh, speaking to his confidence, you know, he may set a screen and roll off that. He might not get the ball the first time, uh, but if the possession is still alive, you know, whether it's Jane Hardy or Mike Miles or someone like that yeah. uh, dribbling the ball at the top, he's not afraid to go set a second screen. And that's something that I feel yeah. like a lot of young big men. Now, he doesn't of... actually set a screen. Oh, well, okay. Well, yeah. a, a slip, rather. A slip, yeah. Uh, um, but he's not afraid to go set a second screen. You know, I feel like for a, a lot of young big men, if it doesn't work the first time, they're not going to go for a second time. And usually they'll either hang on the opposite side of the dunker spot or they might just go divert into a sort of mid-range sort of uh, spot. But, you know, he's very active, a very, you know, solid mover on offense. And that's something that I think is very good. And it's something that he can work on. And if he can, of course, develop an outside shot, that'll only benefit him even more. Uh, but look, you know, also to his uh, athleticism, which you pointed out, um, one thing that I kind of wrote on his player profile was, you know, that he was a little bit more immobile rather. Uh, but that's something that has definitely been, uh, disproven rather. Uh, and you know, I, th I think his ability to switch has definitely made that, you know, sort of disproved. Uh, but look, you know, I, I think he can guard the perimeter and that's something that is very key, uh, in you know, spots. Yeah, in, in spots. spots Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He's not, you know, going to be a full perimeter defender. I'm not trying to say that, but, mm -hmm. uh, the center that Philly was sort of playing, uh, a can't remember his name, but he's from Gonzaga. Um, Petrusa, there you yeah. go. Uh, he was much more of a sort of three-point work inside kind of guy. You know, occasionally uh, he would be inside already, but uh, whenever he got the ball. But, uh, you know, Derek Lively had to sort of space himself out, how to, you know, defend the three-point shot a little bit um, here and there. And that's something that I really did notice. Uh, and he did a really good job of that. You know, he did get beat a little bit, whether it was flipping his hips. Because, um, again, you know, he was switched on some of those, you know, faster guards like Javante Smart uh, or Javon uh, – whatever the I he was Jacobian Smith. Yeah, Jacobian Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh whether it was some of those guys, you know, he had the ability to flip his hips. But look, you know, those are things as a young center, you know, you're only going to learn, you're only going to get better at. So uh those were sort of a few things that stuck out to me uh to touch up on. But yeah, I, I'm really impressed with what I've with what I've seen from Derek yeah. Lively. I, I would say despite, you know, like I talked about earlier, like, you know, getting to further analyze these guys, yes, you get to see their flaws, but the, you know, actually seeing, you know, tangible, you know, Maverick summer league basketball from these guys yeah. and seeing like the things that they do do good at makes me excited. I'm I'm not really, you know, unless the negatives are, you know, completely just downright awful, you know, to where to the point where we should be a little bit concerned. I'm not concerned about, you know, Derek Lively sure. getting, you know, five fouls in a summer league in the first half or whatever it was just, you know, half of them were like ticky tacky anyways, like stuff like that. Like you kind of let it slide, but those are going to be, you know, facets of his game, you know, particularly defensively, you know, being in position just a little bit earlier, staying a little bit more vertical and adding strength so he doesn't get pushed around and get, you know, caught up in those ticky tacky calls. 
uh, that he's going to need to improve upon. Um, but I mean, even furthermore, like a couple things before we wrap up talking about him that kind of impressed me that it failed to mention his offensive rebounding, you know, yep. I mean, I know it said his rebounding, but particularly, you know, he, he goes after balls. I mean, he's a real hustle guy. Um, like he, he's not a guy, I thought there may be some sort of effort questions uh, after, you know, seeing some of his tape at Duke, you know, like kind of Jaron said, not, not a mobile, but he did kind of, you know, take just the easier route. Wasn't, you know, throwing dunks down with a ton of authority. It weren't a, like a whole lot of clips of him, like diving for loose balls, but I mean, he, he's really putting it all out there yep. for the Mavericks. Um, and another really interesting aspect of him is his ability to, to play make out of the short roll. Um, and he's had yep. a few of those really good swing passes to the corners uh, when um, they, you know, the low man rotates over uh, and, and they bring help to where, you know, two guys are on him coming downhill. He, he reads that really well for a center um, and gets rid of it. Now, at, at hopefully at one point of his career, maybe he can um, just kind of sidetrack that and still go up over a guy, uh, you know, use his size to his advantage a little bit more. And he's obviously very raw offensively outside of, you know, his jump shot that works 15% of the time in, in at game speed and his, uh, you know, his, his ability to be a lob threat um, and, you know, a guy that's a putback finisher. Um, but look, I mean, he, he made a little, a little post hook the other day. Uh, he it, did. The more he's able to develop offensively. And I think Tyson will work out with that, work on that with him, given that Tyson, you know, was, was probably, you know, even though he didn't have the most expansive offensive game, he was just really good with inside three feet. And I think given the modern day NBA, he's going to want to, um, you know, sort of vet rec. Uh, no, I was going to say Victor. I don't know why uh, he's going to, he's going to want to vet Derek uh, to get up to speed, you know, with the modern NBA big, he's going to, you know, want to, you know, hone in on the shooting as well as the rest of the mass developmental staff. So, I mean, everybody should be very encouraged from what they've seen the last two games from both of these guys. Um, you know, really Omax too. I mean, his ability to step day one as a rotation player, um, you know, seeing that that is actually uh, something that's going to come into fruition, um, you know, versus something that we were more so uh, just sort of throwing out into the air as a possibility is something that has been really exciting. So, you know, those were the two guys we wanted to hit the nail on the head, obviously yeah. the most, but we will get into everybody else, of course. Um, the last sort of segment will be wrapping up you know, some of the guys that have kind of impressed us like Taze Moore and Brandon Randolph. We'll talk about them a little bit more, um, you know, Jordan Walker. Um, and we'll get into how the games actually went, but we're not going to go, you know, the full-fledged deep dive, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, expansive mainstream Mavs. This time of year. Uh, cover of the, yeah, yeah, we, we might, but um, <laughs> we we do have some things to do. So ho hopefully we don't do that and extend this pot already pretty long podcast yeah. another hour but uh, we will do our best but you know next up Jaden, let's get into um you know some of the guys that are returning to this maverick summer league roster from last year um you know starting off with Jaden hardy uh what what have you took in from his summer league um you know sophomore debut and what he's been able to provide to the table he's obviously been the mavericks leading scorer but you know he hasn't just been um, you know, a guy that has came into summer league and, you know, uh, you have this sort of short, surefire notion in your head that uh, he he doesn't need this at all. Like he doesn't need to be here. I mean, there, there still have been certain things that, you know, I, I think that he's benefited from in terms of gaining, gaining experience. Yeah. What have you noticed? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there was, uh, I guess, a sort of expectation uh, coming into this summer league for Jane Hardy. Uh, and relatively, I think he's lived up to, you know, outside of the 
efficient or efficiency and you know those sort of talks he, he has had glimpses of that uh but look you know one thing that's kind of stuck out to me from sort of like a leadership standpoint uh is his ability to lead this team you know he was the sort of front catalyst uh into that comeback down 15 of course you know he was that front guy uh i think he scored 12 or so and most of that coming from the free throw line but i think he scored 12 or so in that fourth quarter um which of course you know was a team high in that fourth quarter so I, I think his ability to sort of lead this team is something that shouldn't go, uh, you know, un, untalked about and, you know, untouched. And, you know, that's something that I, I'm going to take very highly uh, because, again, you know, he's going to have to be one of those main scores off the bench uh, for this Mavericks unit in year two. So, you know, his ability to lead this team uh, is going to be something that we'll probably have to see uh, in year two for him. So I, I definitely do want to touch up on that a little bit. Um, but just his ability to also get to the free throw line. You know, we saw that uh, in glimpses uh, in, in large part last year, uh, but we didn't see it in full effect. And this, you know, uh, last night in particular, I think he got to the free throw line 13 or 14 times, knocking down 12 of 13, I believe was the full number. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, he was just really efficient from the free throw line. His ability to contort his body, uh, you know, sort of, flail almost and you know get to the free throw line and, and it's not you know sort of flopping effects these are like actual real fouls mm-hmm. um that he's drawing you know that's something that definitely shouldn't go unnoticed I, I think he's done a really good job of that um he's definitely made a huge step in my opinion in that year two you know I think that there's a, a sort of expectation for you year two summer league guys uh that they should just sort of come in and uh instantly in a game or two you know pull off a Keegan Murray where he drops like 46 or 41 whatever it was um, and, and, you know, for some guys, it's just not the truth. Uh, you know, for Jane Hardy, I think he does need this. Uh, but look, you know, I, I think that we are learning a lot about what he could potentially, potentially be doing uh, next year for this Mavericks team. Um, you know, I don't think that there's anything different. You know, I'm sure you have some different opinions. I, I haven't really noticed anything different uh, from his game. Uh, you know, whether it's offensively or defensively, other than just sort of rounding out his skills, uh, getting better at the small intangible things. Um, and like I said, you know, one thing I guess that has kind of stuck out is getting to the free throw line, as I pointed out before. Um, he's doing that as a, at a higher clip. Um, and, you know, in that first game, I think he shot, you know, three of four or three or five from the uh, three point line, something like that. Um, and he had much more of an efficient game in that first one rather than the second one. So. Outside of that, you know, I really liked what he's done, what he's done, uh, especially from a leadership standpoint, as I pointed out. Uh, but look, I, I like what Jane Hardy's doing, uh, being the sort of front runner on this Maverick Summer League team. And of course, leading them uh, from that 15 point deficit. And of course, you know, coming back pretty, uh, a pretty big marginal win uh, for this unit. So I, I liked what I've seen out of Jane Hardy. Yeah, I think one thing that has impressed me the most, honestly, is his shooting uh, strictly from when he came into the Maverick system. And even that, you know, going back to that his time with the G league ignite. I mean, he's, he's evolved into a guy that's like a really, really good shooter, even off, you know, off the catch or off the bounce. And even though he had sort of a rougher shooting game the other night um, in in summer league against 76ers, I mean, a lot of his misses were really close misses in and outs or, you know, almost bouncing in stuff like that. And he just looks more comfortable in that position, um, you know, shooting off the bounce, and, you know, his ability to pull up in the mid range, stuff like that. I mean, it is, it's been really impressing me. I feel like he's getting to his spots as a shooter off the, off the bounce um, a lot better and just looks a lot more confident with his stroke. There's just not a lot of bad misses compared to what we saw, um, you know, throughout, you know, the first part of his rookie year. And in last summer league, a lot of these misses are really good. So I, that's why I do think he has potential to pop off for like a 40 point game, one of these games, you know? Uh, so we'll just have to kind of see, but, I mean, to cycle back to what he kind of needs to work on, the reason I feel like he is in summer league at the moment. I mean, obviously, 
I think first off is, is, you know, kind of his pacing and his offensive awareness. Right. Um, I think Jaden is, you know, very dynamic attacking downhill and he's very shifty, very herky jerky. Uh, he really gets into your grill as a ball handler and makes you have to flip your hips at the last second to try and recover, to get back to him. Um, but you know, a, a couple sort of, uh, points of interest that I think that Jared Dudley, um, you know, talked about, he was on the, even in that, uh, OKC game was trying to get, you know, Jaden Hardy to expand upon a little bit more it was almost kind of a focus for a game, you know, just because it's a summer league game. And, you know, given how good Hardy is, um, you know, it was his playmaking and, um, you know, he didn't do a terrible job of it in that OKC game. But he, you know, Mavericks really weren't uh, making a lot of shots in that game. Yep. And he subsequently I can't remember, he barely had any assists, but. It, it, a lot of that was just due to, you know, guys missing almost what seemed like every potential assist he was um, sort of just giving them on a platter. But, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's just summer league. But I thought he did a good job at, you know, reading how, you know, the defender in the dunker spot's going to play, you know, dictating where to, you know, whether to, you know, to have that corner pass or not, um, you know, doing a good job at, you know, sort of trying to wrap around um, and, and get it to the big. Um, you know, I'm trying to draw that second defender to, to come over, um, you know, when he's uh, attacking downhill, you know, giving a wraparound pa uh, pass to a big something like that. You know, I thought he is is starting to expand upon a little bit like in, in that uh, Thunder game. Uh, but then conversely, in that in that Philadelphia game in that first half, um, his, his pacing just looked kind of off um, when, you know, you thought he should have gotten to actions a little bit quicker, tried to attack downhill a little bit more. And then conversely, when he he should have, you know, maybe took uh, a little bit of steam off, you know, he he sees like a guy like Petrusive playing drop coverage, um, and you know there there are times where he's got to be able to, you know, get a defender on his hip, um, you know, over dribble but not over dribble if that makes sense. Like understand, you know, when he needs to maybe you know take a back seat and you know, kind of snake the pick and roll and pull for a floater, like stuff like that um, is what Jaden Hardy is going to be, is going to be, you know, essential for him in terms of opening up that offensive repertoire a little bit more, you know, because he can get heavy footed and, and just, you know, try to drive into guys, you know, time after time. And, you know, eventually, um, you know, that, that will come back to bite him at times, you know, in, in games where he's drawing a lot of fouls like that Philadelphia game. Um, it was good down the stretch, but he wasn't getting some of those calls in that first half. And um, he, he was getting blocked some and, and went up with some, uh, you know, shots that you probably, you know, should just pass out of in the first place. So I, I think just making the game more simplistic for him, uh, you know, understanding you know, when to do certain things offensively, uh, whether it's reading and reacting from a playmaking perspective, uh, seeing how a guy's going to rotate. Um, you know, as, as well as, um, you know, how he's playing in the pick and roll, um, being able to uh, just control his pacing, um, the way in which he's getting downhill, um, you know, being able to, you know, to go the wrong way, uh, you know, off a screen, you know, snake a pick and roll, all those sort of things, I, I think are definitely points of interest in terms of you know, what he's trying to get better at. And we've seen him struggle with it a little bit in summer league, but we've seen him, you know, also be very good at that in summer league. So, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think it's the end of it for him in summer league. He hasn't played, you know, just as insane as I would have hoped, but he's definitely 
held his own and, and played really well still. So I'm excited to see, you know, with a little bit more basketball under his belt. And if they, this team gets a little more chemistry together, how he rounds out his trip in Vegas. Um, if this guy, um, you know, ends up, you know, producing a more efficient clip, but I mean, I, I've definitely, you know, been impressed with what I've seen so far. And I think, um, you know, defensively, even uh, he's been a little bit better on ball. Yeah. We've still seen, a, uh, there's still been a few uh, instances, uh, particularly off ball where, he gets caught, um, you know, in no man's land on some of those rotations and, you know, has been late to rotate and, you know, his defender is able to attack off a closeout or something like that. But uh, particularly as an on-ball defender, I thought he's he's honestly been doing pretty decent this summer league unless he's matched up on, you know, an unfair advantage, whether it's a, you know, really, really small or shifty guard or, you know, a guy that's, you know, just too big for him that's too dynamic. So that that's basically my full coverage. And, I mean, those are the – three guys that we're obviously going to go the the deepest on, but you know, I have really liked what I've seen from him. Did you have any other lasting thoughts on him? Yeah, not, not necessarily on Jaden Hardy. Like I said, you know, I, I have liked what I've seen. I, you know, haven't really seen too many negatives other than, you know, an inefficient game too. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I've really been impressed with what I've seen. Um, a guy that, you know, I had pretty high expectations for in his second summer league. Uh, he was, of course, with the Mavericks last year, AJ Lawson. What have you seen from him? You know, me personally, like I've said, uh, I had high expectations from him. I, you know, those expectations so far through two games. And again, it is summer league. I, I don't think, you know, there you can't take too much of credence to this, but I've been kind of disappointed uh, in, you know, in my own rights. But uh, you know, I want to get your take on that. Like personally, like, like I said, you know, I, I just haven't seen enough from him. Uh, I, I haven't seen a big, you know, year two leap rather uh, in that summer league from him. Yeah. I mean, I, I do get that, uh, that, that vantage point. I definitely wouldn't say I've been disappointed from him, but he hasn't wowed me, I guess. Um, you know, I, I still like, um, I, I honestly think the defense this summer league from him has been better. Yeah. You can tell he's at a little bit of size. He's defending, you know, threes and fours at a little bit higher of a clip. Um, he's looked really good rotationally. I mean, he's he he's a guy who has like infinite stamina. He'll just sit around and chase a guy around the perimeter all day if he has to. He's got a few steals off that. He's been really good as an on-ball defender. So, I mean, from a defensive perspective, I honestly think he's improved a little bit. Uh, I've liked what he's done in terms of adding some size in the offseason. Offensively, yeah, he, he does have he, – he's real explosive and he's really fast, surprisingly, for, you know, a guy that size, especially after – you know, adding some noticeable muscle. Um, but he does have a tendency uh, to just um, get kind of one dimensional with his offensive game. It, he's a good cutter. Um, and he's a guy that attempts to definitely not be one dimensional. Uh, but, you know, there, there will be times where he's attacking off a closeout where it's just a straight line drive. There's no sort of shiftiness to it. And, and you would just hope that he could expand upon that a little bit, just be a little bit more fluid offensively and, and the shot hasn't been going in a, at the clip that we wanted but he also hasn't had the highest yeah. usage rate either offensively and he's done a really good job you know getting uh, you know as a point of attack defender getting like steals that have been leading to transition baskets he's had a lot of transition baskets a lot of transition dunks stuff like that so I've been impressed with him um you know but I, he definitely hasn't you know done anything to where I'm putting him up on a pedestal above any of these other guys I do think he, you know, just given how good he is positionally and, you know, his development in the Mavericks organization thus far, I, I don't think that they're letting him slip. I definitely think he either gets that last two-way slot or makes the main roster, and it definitely is at least getting a training camp invite. Um, but, you know, let, let's see how the uh, last three summer league games sort of formulate here before I round out a whole opinion on his offensive game. If he does 
kind of looked this dry offensively and you know the three is just not hitting he, he's not looking too good off the bounce attacking off closeouts and you know he's really only getting these transition baskets or you know easy dump off passes in the lane or something like that and we get to the end of the summer league and you know he, he averaged like seven points in the summer league I, I definitely could you know have a totally different opinion but he, he's done enough defensively through these first two games with you know getting I think you know four you know five six deals probably between two games to where I'm not really tripping out over you know some bad shooting performances so far but you know that that's that's kind of my thoughts on him McKinley right he had a weird sort of first yeah. game I, I thought you know he just wasn't all too aggressive it seemed like Hardy was you know delegated a lot more of the playmaking duties there but in the second game he looked really savvy um, was just doing a really good job in terms of his placing in the pick and his pace pacing in the pick and roll um, and he he's a guy that catches guys off guards because nobody thinks he's gonna go um, up on a guy uh, and, and he'll you know just spur up a finger roll all of a sudden uh, and he's very smart at getting downhill um, he hasn't you know shot a whole lot but he, he knocked in a three the other yeah, game he did. and he did he went out with that ankle injury so we'll we'll monitor that accordingly hopefully he's back uh, for the last couple of games it didn't look all too serious in it yeah. uh, but they did hold him out for the rest of that 76ers game after the third quarter but um, you know he impressed me in that 76ers game I was a little low on him after that first game but um, he, he's you know he's running as fast as he can defensively uh, hustling for every loose ball you know doing doing what he was doing in the NBA um, obviously you know he he's really good on those sort of like six two six three and under guys but you know just naturally with his height he is at a disadvantage defensively so that's always kind of been a sticking point and then you know I, I'd be interested just you know given we haven't seen him shoot a whole lot of threes and the you know defenders are going under on him a lot they they do seem like seem like they've done their you know scouting reports on him you know particularly in that first game I thought OKC played him really well uh, they went over the top and forced him into some tough spots and he had to kind of get rid of the ball but against Philadelphia uh, against some of their drop covers they were running with Petrusive he was able to get downhill and get some really good floaters so um, you know seeing that and seeing if I thought he's honestly been doing really good setting guys up as a playmaker um, you know if he is, is shooting the ball at a high clip um, that's going to be really intriguing for me heading into training camp uh, to see how the Mavericks prioritize him if, if you know he'll be back um, if you know we get the same McKinley right I could definitely see the Mavericks you know valuing another position of need a little bit more over him but overall I, I would say that you know in the same vein of AJ Lawson um, where he has he's had one pretty good game and then one not totally bad game but nothing crazy he has not wowed me but nothing out of the ordinary for him. And, and I've liked what I've seen for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Games. You know, I, I, yeah, I kind of share the same sentiment, you know, he hasn't wowed me necessarily, but I, I have been, you know, fairly impressed with him, especially after that second game. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, whether it's the sort of floater game uh, or even, you know, from a defense perspective, I feel like he's honestly played pretty solid. Uh. But look, yeah, I, I think one thing matchup dependent, uh, you know, he definitely could be more effective. Like in that, you know, Philly game, he was playing much more smaller guards, uh, much more skinnier guys. Uh, rather in that Oklahoma City game, you know, they have a lot of longer sort of guards and longer wings on that roster uh, that they have currently constructed. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it's much more matchup dependent on what he could possibly do. But yeah, I like what he did in that second game against Philly, whether it was, uh, you know, offensively, he got to the whole, got to his spots pretty or fairly easily, rather. Um, and I believe through three quarters, he was the Mavericks leading scorer, uh, of course, until he went out with that ankles injury. So uh, one thing that has kind of stuck out to me is he has looked like a vet, whether it is to your point, setting up guys for open shots uh, or just, you know, finding big men, you know, yeah, down low. Yeah, like that, that is something that has really stuck out to me. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I, I think 
Um, you know, it, it has he has looked a little different. He hasn't looked like the same old McKinley, right? Like I feel like he's definitely improved on some things, but I, I don't think, you know, personally, there isn't anything so far uh that has stuck out to me that I'm like, oh, you know, we need him yeah. on this roster currently. He's only shot like um, a couple threes, but he made yeah. one. So if he starts shooting a little bit better throughout summer league, I mean that that's definitely gonna be a huge point of contention heading into training camp. So we'll go ahead and you know see how that goes. I, I would say currently. I would probably, if I had to pick, say he wouldn't be back with the Mavericks on a two-way deal or training camp because I think they'll probably prioritize a wing or just – Especially another, with Mike Miles. Yeah, yeah, try to give another guard a shot. But, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. And, I mean, look, given how Mike Miles has played compared to McKinley Wright, they might end up, you know, extending his two-way. <laughs> Absolutely. They can yep. do that. Yeah, so. they can, yeah. Um, I mean, so was, we'll go ahead and see that. Let's just touch up on, you know, some of the other guys. Those were all the – you know, we talked about all the returners and the two more prominent rookies – um, you know, let's we'll, we'll start with Mike Miles without going, you know, too fully in depth. Uh, what, what have you been impressed by and not impressed by from the TCU guard, uh, you know, right down the street in Fort Worth and his, uh, you know, summer league debut for the Mavericks. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I would say I'm more so impressed than not impressed. I know that, you know, a lot of fans probably would you know, differ on that opinion. Uh, but he has made some very tough buckets, especially in that second game. He made some very clutch buckets. Uh, so look, I, I think that's something that's really stuck out to me. He's kind of uh, came into the league with the title of being sort of a hard nosed traditional point guard. Uh, and that's something that I've definitely seen through two games in the summer league. Uh, so I don't think that there's anything that's sort of different from that. I would like to see a little bit more of an outside shot. Uh, but look, you know, I, I think his decisiveness is something that kind of kills his game almost. Uh, he doesn't really pass the ball a whole lot. He's yeah. kind of going out there with something to prove and yeah. it's kind of killing his motive. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I haven't seen, That's you know, I haven't seen really anything, you know, impressive from a playmaking standpoint. Uh, and yeah, I mean, outside of that, yeah. I don't really have anything else. Yeah, there were a couple of times where he got himself into some like real sticky situations, yeah. turned it over because of that. And I mean, he's been like kind of getting to his spots. You definitely see that he is more of a score at, at, at that yeah. uh, point guard spot um then you know a, a playmaker but i i do think that you know some more reps as a lead ball handler we could we could you know see that change um I, he hasn't looked really too terrible on defense but um he definitely i would say has trouble keeping up with you know just lengthier guys um there were especially in that philadelphia game i thought he held his own for sure in that thunder game but that in philadelphia game he was getting scored on quite a bit yeah. Um, and uh, his defense, he was getting kind of body to the rim and stuff. So, you know, he's going to need to at least be able to anchor down and be stout against a guy like a Traquavion Smith, for instance, you know, even if it's a herky jerky, faster guard, you know, if, if he's not over, um, you know, six, three, six, four, like I, both of those guys that were, you know, sort of the lead, um, you know, ball handlers for the Sixers weren't insanely tall or anything like that. He, he's just going to need to be able to slide his feet a little bit better. He's just getting beat often. Um, you know, he's he's got some good size, Tim, for a, for a guard. But, you know, he, he does have to – he's going to need to be able to flip his hips a little bit better, stuff like that, and, you know, particularly just absorb contact a little bit better when he does get beat to the basket, not cause it to be an and one. Um, and, yeah, just I, I, I would like to see a game where his – um, you know, shot making really comes into fruition and, you know, he's hitting on all cylinders. I, I do think, like you said, Jaron, that, you know, trying, he, he does try to play, you know, strictly, you know, in, he's such a system player, if that makes sense. Like he's going to do yeah. exactly what the play was designed. Um, there's, there's not a lot of elements of, um, you know, diversity, I guess, really, uh, when we're looking at his offense um, from an, from an angle of like, 
being able to, you know, you know, change up what's happening. Uh, you know, if a play goes haywire or something like that, being able to, you know, do anything that's out of the ordinary, but I, I would like to see, you know, how poised he is um, getting to his spots in the mid range, you know, through the pick and roll as well as when a guy goes under, in a, under him on a screen, see if he can open up the shooting a little bit. Um, I haven't been all like crazy impressed with him. Um, definitely more negative than positive for me at least, but it hasn't been a big enough sample size for me to judge a huge opinion. And I did like what I see, what I saw from him uh, attacking downhill in that um, Philadelphia game. Like you said, had some good layups in that fourth quarter. One that stuck out to me was that one where he went baseline on yeah. the closeout and finished with his left hand, even though, um, you know, it was probably easier to finish with the right. <laughs> um, so like stuff like that, like that, that was an impressive finish. So uh, it'll be uh, really intriguing. Uh, to monitor him going forward to see if he actually ends up coming to training camp with the Mavericks, even though he is on a two-way deal. Jordan Walker did not play at all in the first game. Uh, he's, you know, 5'11 point guard out of UAB, uh, Conference USA, um, MVP. Guy has a lot of talent. His size is definitely going to be uh, the biggest competing factor for his career in the NBA, but he is a little bit different than McKinley Wright. You know, I, he's definitely just as quick. Um, you know, and, and sneaky from a steel perspective, but you know, McKinley Wright is a, a five, you know, he may be 5'11, but he's like a solid, like 200, two, 205 yeah. pounds of, of good muscle, and he, he still maintains his speed, has good length to him. Jordan Walker is like more of a, you know, Will, Will or Jaron, yeah, five, a little build, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he, he's, he's more of a true 5'11 type of guy like us. Uh, you're just your average Joe, he's just very skinny, very shifty. Um, and he, you know, I, I was really impressed with the shot making. I mean, this dude's fast. He can get in the lane fast, cause havoc. I think he's going to be really good getting to the rim. He, you know, he, he knows he, he plays at his size. Like he, he's not going to try to do anything too crazy, but, uh, conversely, I mean, he, he can hit some tough ass shots yeah, for how for big sure. he is. Um, and I'm, I'm really impressed, impressed with how poised he is. I, I think the biggest thing for him over McKinley, Wright, Cause I do think he's definitely a better day one shooter than McKinley, right? um is going to be like defensively um you know will he just be at too much of a suffering point defensively um because of how small he is and you know guys being able to just body him you know even McKinley Wright yes while guys can shoot over the top of him he's he's not getting bodied by everybody he holds his own size wise I don't know Jordan Walker is going to be able to do that and um you know when the offense is is not clicking for him uh, especially at the NBA where you know he was a pretty dynamic uh, sort of playmaker in college but you know he was against conference usa competition and i mean he was the best guy in his team so he's scoring almost you know he, he's trying to he had the highest usage rate is you know the primary score things of that nature you know in an nba role where, where it's much more complimentary where he may be sitting on a bench for a large period of time and then asked to come into the game as like a third string point guard or something you know when he when all he has to do is score and maybe say you know his confidence is off and the offense isn't clicking for him you know, he, he just has that sort of net negative effect to him. Yeah. And it's going to be just conducive to how consistent he can be in his NBA career. Um, Because I mean, when it's fun, it's really fun, but I could see it getting, you know, even though he hasn't played much, uh, if the shot making is not there. I could see it get, being a really rough scene to where this guy's, you know, gets played off the court instantly. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I mean, you know, you know relatively i have liked what i've seen from him yeah. uh and you know a short very sort of sample size yeah, yeah. Ra- maybe even less yeah. uh but yeah you know i have liked what i've seen from him he you know to your point he has made some very 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 tough shots 
Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I know his nickname is Jelly, and one of the announcers made a reference that he was a part of the Jelly Fam or something like that. I, think he I don't used know. To be back part of the Jelly Fam. Was he? Was he the second guy yeah, in the Jelly I Fam? Saw somebody on Twitter saying, yeah. oh, "Why isn't he getting more?" Uh, but yeah, I know Javon uh, Quinterly. Quinterly, yeah, yeah for he's Alabama. Like the lead dude. Yeah, yeah, he should be. I was surprised he didn't come out to the NBA. Yeah, this year. yeah I think he's, he's going into his senior or junior year. Yeah, but, um, he could have came out and been like, uh, so we'll see where he projects, but. That's too off topic for a already very long podcast. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's veer away from that. Um. Uh, anyways, other guys that have stuck out. Um. Like I said, like Marcus Bingham, some other guys. Um. Chandler Vaudrin, the one, the one white dude. Yeah, the yeah. one guy repping it on the team. You know, some some guys have not pay, uh played for the Mavericks like we we've, we've expected them to. Um. But you know, a couple, two other guys or three other guys rather that have stuck out to me. Um. Were. Braxton Key, yeah. uh, Brandon Randolph, and, and Taze Moore. And, and we'll start with Taze Moore because I think he's stuck out the most. I mean, his, his rebounding ability, his ability to be a slasher and cut, get vertical, and also be just an absolute, like, dog on defense has been really impressive. This is a guy like, who's, like, 26. He played some with the Legends last year, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I could see him getting a training camp invite for the Mavericks if he has this sort of productivity. I mean, he's going to, like, put back jams over here. Uh, he's really athletic. Um, he's really good at attacking off closeouts as a decent finisher yeah, in traffic. Yeah. Um, I think that his thing is how much can he evolve as a, as a shooter mm-hmm. and uh, operating off the catch in the NBA. Um, that will be, you know, his big sticking point in terms of getting minutes. But, you know, I've loved the activity that I've seen from him. I think that he definitely has put himself in a position to at least not from the Mavs, get a training camp invite, uh, at least from another team. I, I don't know if maybe if we get a two way deal, cause you know, those, two-way deals that are being spoon-fed to 26-year-olds from, you know, from Greece, like Tyler Dorsey, are kind of more few and far between. We're seeing more teams go the, you know, 22 and under route. So I could see him maybe being a training camp invite, but I mean, he could be a guy that could stick on the Mavericks roster at that wing position, being a point of attack ball in order. So I mean, he's like excellent defensively. It's a great activity offensively. Um, We're just going to have to see how, you know, how much the shot translates at the NBA level, because, you know, if it doesn't, this is a guy that, you know, may end up just getting played off the floor, um, you know, when the offense isn't as, isn't as explosive and his cutting isn't making as much of an impact as, you know, it can in certain games. Because, you know, those those cutting lanes aren't there uh, for certain role players in every game. You know, a lot more of the time you may have to be posted up in the corner a bit more, uh, particularly against NBA defenses where the paint can get more crowded with, you know, really dynamic rim protectors. It won't be as easy as, as it is in summer league, so. I think that that, but I mean, in terms of my effort perspective and how much of a hustle guy he loves, I'd love seeing him. Braxton Key, I really liked his activity as a guy, uh, as an off-ball defender. He's got a lot of off-ball yeah, feels. A lot of, yeah. Um, you know, it's been he shot the ball pretty well in that second game. I confused him for Tyler Hall because of the hair in the first game. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was back on the Mavs summer league roster, but I'm pretty sure he's like with the. Um, I can't, I saw it on Twitter. I think he's always with the Magic. The Magic, yeah. yeah. He's with There's the Magic a lot of former right uh, yeah. family guys on that. Yeah, team. he was with the Legends all last year, but um, sort of a bigger body uh, kind of wing. I, I'd say probably around like six five, six six. Yeah, that's good link to him, but he's not like good he, size. Yeah, right. but he's not like Tyler Hall, where he's like when you have like weight concerns yeah. type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's he's just got you know good size on him. Runs hard is a uh, is pretty athletic, and he plays his role. I really like what I've seen from him. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. You know, just seeing if the defense – we haven't seen you – know, like I said, he's been really good as an off-ball defender. Um, he's been solid as an on-ball defender too, but I, I would just have to see a bigger sample size, see how consistent those uh, intangibles are at the NBA level before I apply more judgment. You know, a guy like a Taze Moore, uh, that activity was so explosive that 
it does bode credence to the fact that I think he can do that on a larger scale potentially, but it's more just a shot. Braxton Key, I think it's just, you know, seeing maybe how the defense, other stuff like that will translate. Uh, and then, you know, I, I took those first two guys. So if you want to talk about how you think, you know, Brandon Randolph projects, I know he had a better first game than second game, but um, that's another guy that was a solid wing in the Mavericks rotation for the summer league. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Brandon Randolph, uh, I have no idea where he came from, but he's a guy that's kind of stuck out to me. I believe he went, I think he's out of college somewhere. Uh, but he's kind of stuck out to me. You know, he had a very strong uh, performance in game one, uh, surely dropped off in game two, but, you know, nothing out of the order, not out of the ordinary, but uh, nothing like too alarming uh, of a drop off. But yeah, I mean, just a very sound guy uh, offensively in game one. If I can remember right, he was just able to get to his spots, able to make his shots. Um, and defensively, he was able to have a really good presence. I mean, he did pretty much everything that was asked of him. Uh, he did that very, very correctly. Uh, but in game two, we saw a much more inefficient. He, he just kind of wasn't active, um, you know, whereas in game one, I thought, I thought that he was a very active player. Uh, you, know, you know, in game two, he just I, I didn't see enough of that. I didn't think that he was a very active guy. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I didn't really see as much of an effect as, as he had on game one in game two. And that was, uh, yeah. a, you know, a team that kind of needed um, that, you know, sort of boost uh throughout the game but yeah i mean they eventually found it yeah. in the fourth quarter i mean he, he's really rangy really athletic at you know that like six five frame whatever he is i think he'd be a really good point of attack defender um you know some of the bigger things that kind of stuck out to me because the defense was not near as good in game two he's getting blown by quite a bit more um it's just you know adding strength he, he is pretty thin framed he's gonna need to add strength to guard at the nba level consistently and um you know while he was pretty good at like slashing cutting, you know, doing all the little stuff, you know, being a good off ball defender. Um, he, you know, it, he's going to need to probably improve his outside shot in the NBA uh, to really stick around consistently and diversify his offensive game a little bit up more. But I mean, you, you see some potential with that, that link there for sure. So um, we came back to earth on him a little bit more in that second game, but still definitely uh, very in, intrigued from what I saw from him um that first game. But I mean, barring that, um, that kind of wraps up, you know, all the guys that, you know, have been getting actually, you know, actual minutes here in summer league. Uh, what did we think uh, from a game perspective? Um, just a brief overview of how that first OKC game went, you know, not, not going into too much detail of, you know, you don't have to go quarter by quarter and talk about exactly, you know, when the Thunder were playing zone, like we did in the post game pods. But I mean, what, what did you notice? What did you like, um, you know, from both teams in that, in that, in that affair? So, yeah, with that OKC game, um, you definitely saw um, a, a sort of a tale of two teams for sure with that Thunders team um, having their young players with a little continuity together, uh, more so than the Mavericks for sure. A lot of guys that have seen a lot more NBA um, floor, I, I think that they were definitely able, you know, from the jump to affect the Mavericks from a defensive standpoint. Uh, when the Mavericks were trying to get in some, into some of their actions, uh, you could see that, you know, things were trying to log jam at the point of attack. Uh, with Jaden Hardy, I thought the Thunder team is just very switchable. Um, you know, Chet is tantalizing as a weak side rim protector. He got some shots, you know, with his length that it, you don't even you know necessarily think he could. But conversely, I do think the Mavericks did a good job at getting downhill on him. And, you know, when they were able to get into his body, they were actually able to finish over him a few times. Um, so, you know, really from that uh, first, first quarter forward, um, the Thunder were just shooting the lights off the ball. Um, and then, you know, particularly – or the lights off the court like there's no lights on the ball um but uh you know case and wallace went six for eight from three um you know made that half court shot um and you know they had just a 
sort of shooting abundance from everybody. I mean, even from Trey Mann to, you know, I think Chet made one or two. Usman Jang made a few. Usman Jang yeah. made a few. He looks much more NBA ready than he did a year ago. As you know, it's sort of six ten guy that can attack off a closeout. You know, he he could be a really good player in my opinion. He's a guy that's look, getting looked under the radar, but um, you know, they they just were you know clicking on all cylinders. Did not seem affected by the moment whatsoever. Uh, versus the Mavs, you know, they well while, while I thought from a talent perspective, the Mavs really weren't terribly off par. Yeah. With uh, Santa Clara, Jalen Williams not playing. Had he been playing, I think it would have just been uh, too much of a disadvantage yeah. at that point because he I mean he's honestly, maybe possibly better than as a creator right now than Jaden Hardy. I mean, that guy's insane. Um, but, um, you know, given the the sort of roster that they fielded, I didn't, I didn't think that the Mavericks were at, at as much of a talent disadvantage as, you know, some people on Twitter were saying. Um, but I do think that that Thunder squad, given their, you know, sort of synchronization with each other, um, as well as just how much more poised and how much more continuity they had, that, that definitely, you know, helped them um in in terms of their offensive flow and they were just making a lot more shots and the Mavericks uh conversely um you know I thought Casey Wallace played good point of attack defense and a lot of the Mavericks ball handlers you know Jaden Hardy did good against him but everybody else kind of got swallowed up and um I, I just don't think the Mavericks were able to really knock in their shots throughout the game you know from outside to stay um you know to ever get the the lead down um throughout the game um, to a, a sizable margin to where they would come back. I mean, it it was, you know, you know they lost by 11, but they were kind of just in that down by 11 to sort of 15 range really throughout the entire, dura- you know, duration of the second half. Um, I do like how Derek Lively and Omax played defensively on Chet. I know we talked about that already a little bit with when we were talking about them, um, but, you know, that Mavericks showed a lot of versatility defensively, and I honestly didn't hate how, you know, they played defense. I thought that was definitely a better defensive game from them in yeah. that uh, performance uh, holistically from the team uh, compared to the 76ers game where I thought the point of attack defense especially was a, a, a little worse. You know, I thought Jaden Hardy played a lot better defense in this one. Um, you know, the Mavericks were just a lot more switchable in that Thunder game. You know, Derek Lively was a lot more active. Um, they They just couldn't, you know, buy a bucket from three as much and they, you know, the Thunder were also really good defensively. And, um, you know, they they were forcing the Mavericks in some sh- tough shots, late shot clock. And I just think that they veered away initially, you know, from their offense. Jaden Hardy uh, wasn't able to, you know, when the stack pick and roll wasn't there, he wasn't, um, you know, really in that second half after, the, you know, the offensive flow started to dwindle down. You know, when he when he was hitting guys, you know, in that weak side wing and corner, um, you know, they they were just missing their shots. And, uh, you know, with how good OKC was doing at crowding the paint uh, and, uh, you know, withstanding dribble penetration, uh, it just made it a hard recipe uh, for the Mavericks to win that one without them making a shot, without them making the shot, their shots. But they weren't like, you know, totally blown out or anything. And against a pretty uber talented Thunder summer league roster, it, it wasn't the worst, um, you know, game in the world. And I thought Jared Dudley coached it really well yeah. from a defensive perspective. And, you know, he, he caused some problems for Trey Mann and Chet, who had, you know, had you know, some pretty good games at the Salt Lake City showcase Mm -hmm. before that. So, you know, overall, uh, while I, you know, was displeased that we had lost, um, I I wasn't really surprised or anything like that, given how talented that Thunder roster was. And I I thought we saw some different nooks and crannies for the Mavericks that um, are going to be interesting to watch going forward in summer league. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, moving forward uh, to that second game against Philadelphia, 
you know, Philadelphia, a much less sort of uh, talent, maybe not talent deficient roster uh, for the Summer League team, but, you know, much more talentless. Uh, of course, with Jaden Springer, who's kind of their main guy, he was sat out. I don't know if he'll play any more summer league for them. Then, you know, um, Louis King, summer yeah, league. Louis, yeah, Louis Louis King, uh, and, uh, yeah, Lou King. And you always say, what's a – Jaquavion Smith, yeah. Uh, Javante Smart. Yeah, Javante Smart. E.J. Stewart. You know, we're sort of um, spearheading the the cast of players there for the 76ers. Been, you know, they they got some intriguing guys for sure. That, yeah. They have a little bit of pop to them, but, you know, just not guys that were high lottery picks or, you know, first-round picks or – you know, have, have got a whole lot of NBA minutes. You know, Louis King was really interesting um, from the perspective of, you know, that he was just shooting the lights out yeah. all of last summer league. Thought, you know, he, he could finally translate that 3 and D frame that he showed out of Oregon into the NBA, but um, it, it just didn't really translate, you know, this past year. And, you know, he, he played okay, made a few threes, but, he, you know, he didn't impress. He, he wasn't as dynamic offensively, I guess, as I thought. Um, and, and you can kind of that is, the rest, but that, that was a sort of surprising factor to me in the game. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, I guess something that's kind of held him back was his defense throughout his career, but yeah, I mean, he shot the lights out in the first quarter and then pretty much after that fell apart. Uh, and similarly, you know, Philadelphia did the same as a team, uh, in that first half, they, they played really, really good. Uh, and then Dallas sort of came back, came alive, yeah. uh, you know, under some Derek Lively, under some Omax sort of, uh, you know, rookie sort of, uh, you know, getting the team hype type of moments. Uh, and that's kind of what the Mavericks sort of piggybacked off of was these sort of hype moments between some of these younger guys. Uh, and they built a, you know, sort of not, not a sizable lead or a, a sizable comeback, but, you know, they built a sort of comeback going into the second half, uh, that they could take going into that second half, like I said. Um, but yeah, you know, as the game sort of prevailed on, it kind of seemed like Philadelphia was going to take this one. Uh, and this was going to be yet another game that kind of just got away from taking the Mavericks. Like, probably right. for sure taking us out of the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but taking yeah. us out of the summer league playoffs. Uh, but yeah, you know, this was another one where it was in that 11 to 15 range, 11 to 18 range, uh, sort of all game and especially all second half yeah. until uh, pretty much the start of the fourth quarter. Yeah. And after that fourth quarter started, it, it kind of seemed like the Mavericks got an offensive rhythm, got a really good defensive rhythm going uh, that translated into yeah. offense. And that's uh, honestly the hype or the the best that we've seen the Mavericks all summer league so far, albeit through two games. Uh, but surely in that yeah. fourth quarter was the best offensive yeah. production that we've I seen out of the Mavericks. fourth quarter, even though it wasn't, you know, holistically a, a better game than the Thunder, it was probably the best defensive quarter from the Mavericks Absolutely, in all yeah. summer league. I Absolutely. mean, they were everywhere. Uh, causing you know lots of havoc at the point of attack. I think Philly transition. only scored like thirteen points. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, there 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 just weren't as many guys getting downhill. I mean, it was and they were closing out shooters hard. Derek Lively, I think, established himself a little bit better in the fourth yeah. quarter um, when he did play. So uh, it just seemed the best that everybody had all clicked together. And I mean, Jaden Hardy really never even got things going throughout the game. I mean, yeah, he he was able to get to the free throw line a large amount of times, but you know, outside of a couple threes and stuff. He wasn't, um, you know, really spearheading the offense. Uh, a lot of different guys had to step up. There was no one guy like like we kind of talked about that, yeah. you know, just totally wowed us or impressed us. But every guy gave a little bit of juice. And, I mean, it was a great team effort sort of come back. And it was, you know, great to keep the excitement up for the Mavericks who didn't win a summer league game all of last year uh, to see that we actually might field a decent roster this year. Uh, who, I mean, I don't know about the playoffs, but, I mean, we'll, we're definitely, I think, at least penciling in another win, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, throughout uh, these next few games. And, I mean, it's – it was at least exciting to to see how spirited everybody was. And, you know, that the athleticism on the Mavericks summer league roster is uh, something that we haven't seen. So, I mean, I, I'd, going forward, I'd be intrigued to see if, uh, you know, some of those end of the bench guys get a little bit of run to see what we have from them as well. But, you know, overall so far, I've, I've liked what I've seen. 
Um, and I don't think I'm too high or too low on any one thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I believe our next game is, uh, I believe it'll be today whenever y'all are listening to this, uh, at 4.30 against the Golden State Warriors. So we'll yeah. see what we get from there. Now, a, and then it got moved up to 6 o'clock on ESPN oh, it, for Friday. For, uh, yeah, Friday's game against Indiana. Yeah. Um, so looking forward to that one against uh, our former head coach, Rick Carlisle, who's not coaching that team, but I'm sure he'll be in attendance. Yeah, Jarris Walker, uh, Benedict Matherin, if he's still playing. I don't know if he I will be. Yeah, I think he probably is. I don't. Yeah, I know he's playing right now. Rick, uh, Rick's a – I don't know. I feel like Rick's a guy who'd want the kids to – Probably play, still play, we'll yeah. See. Uh, uh, we'll and see. Andrew uh, Nimhart. Nimhart, he's yeah. playing as well? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that, that would be a fun one. And I think uh, Isaiah Jackson Yes. is yeah. on that team mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah so – I mean, they got a decent little squad. That should be a fun game yeah. mm-hmm. to look forward to. So you guys can go ahead and, uh, you know, we'll we'll actually do a post-game pod for that one. So, you know, it, it'll be a little bit more in-depth, but it also won't be near as extensive as this one. We kind of had some stuff come up and we had to throw two in one, but it is what it is. We'll be more consistent with the Summer League podcast from here on out. We can guarantee it. Um, and you'll see why in the next few days, hopefully. Yes, sir. Hopefully. Uh, hopefully. 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 But uh, anyways, um, thank you for listening to the Mainstream Mass podcast. Those of you guys that made it this far in the podcast or some of league coverage, as well as hashing out these rumors. I know it was a little bit longer, but some good content in this one. We appreciate it for you guys sticking it out. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mainstream214. Make sure to get at us at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're virtually on almost any podcast platform uh, where you can get your podcast. Um, you know, even Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, all that stuff. You can find in our link tree on Twitter. Uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating or review and uh, follow us. Turn on the post noties. If you are listening on any podcast platform and, uh, you know, if you do mess with us and you like our content, if you don't, otherwise, there are plenty of other Mavericks podcasts uh, for you to go to. And we we enjoy our other Mavericks podcasts, you know, or they're, or they're competitors not, podcasts. No, they're just friendly, competitors, the friendly, friendly, competitors, friendly competitors. But, um, you know, if you don't like us there, there are other, you know, um, plenty of other options. Uh, now, so. other, yes. Yeah. Other forums for you to, to ventilate your frustrations about, about what we don't like. So just let us know. Um, and, you know, also make sure to get us on YouTube, of course, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, mainstream maps podcast on YouTube. Um, comment down below. Who do you think is going to have um, the the biggest breakout game out of all the Mavericks on the summer league roster? Um, I mean, maybe not a breakout game, but who do you think is going to play the best versus the Pacers tomorrow? If you're listening to this before the game, Warriors, Warriors, or Warriors. I, I screwed that up. But yeah. It's the Warriors. Otherwise, if you're somehow listening to this a little bit later after the Pacers game, who do you think is going to play the best in the uh, in the uh, Pacers game on Friday? Oh, oh, there you go. Two and one. It's a comment. <laughs> and uh, otherwise, um, Mainstream Mavs has some exciting things in the works, um, possibly. Um, but we do have some news coming out very soon for you guys. So stay tuned. Um, that is uh, news not necessarily regarding the podcast, but uh, Jaron and Will news well for you right now yes potentially for me too so we'll see but so we'll we'll let you guys know as we are able to hash out more details on that i guess there's two things yes for both of us yes and then Uh, for for one one other thing yes for you and possibly for me so So, uh yeah just just stay posted but um the batman signal is in the air in dallas yes it is just like on last yeah it is it's like we're uh grant williams cast it out to the city uh, when he was doing his you know espn interview with kendra andrews um, and then talking to good old Michael Rubin afterwards, you know, all the star studdedness was around him, but quietly in the shadows, he had a project working and Batman was ready to come from the scenes, despite yeah. the facade that he puts on on a daily basis, this three and D non one dimensional role player. It's nothing but 
uh, you know, his, his day job. Oh, yes, a yes. day job. Yes. His, his car tent. <laughs> when it's at night, he's ready to pounce on a lot of thugs. and A lot know. of hoodlums. And yeah. being in Vegas, the, the you know, the night uh, that, never sleeps. So. That didn't sound politically correct. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> at all. Um, but uh, we were just talking about Batman specifically, not not me and Jaren. But uh, me and Jaren have things under the shadows, too. We do. Yeah, we but do. We're, we're not ready to pounce on thugs or, or hoodlums. So don't worry about that, guys. Um, if, if you... You know, we we are open to everybody, and we don't care who you are if you're listening to the podcast. Shout we love you all. Shout out to everybody. We will catch you guys in the next one.